And you say you've never made a claim? I have never had to make a claim. So, Mate, you can stay as a customer then. That's okay. That's right. I was going to say. Here we go. I was like the perfect customer at this point. <laughs> This is the Final Call for Main Passengers. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 359. You may think of Australia as the home of the cuddly koala, and that's true. But did you know that Australia actually has 10 times more camels than koalas? And it has so many camels that it actually exports them to Saudi Arabia. When people first start traveling, they think they need everything, and they pack way too much stuff. They have seven pairs of shoes. They have cold weather gear, warm weather gear. They basically take their whole house, they throw in a bunch of suitcases, and they say, all right, we're ready for vacation. And then usually, as you become more of a seasoned traveler, you realize, hey, this is not a cool way to travel. I don't want to bring all this stuff with me. And you start to realize there are only a few things that you really need when you go traveling. One of those things is good travel insurance. We're going to talk about that in today's episode. We're going to dive deep into why you need travel insurance, what it covers, all the nitty-gritty details there. The second thing that I say that you need is a very good piece of luggage. And for me, since I'm a seasoned traveler now, and this is what I try to urge everyone to do, I get the largest carry-on size backpack that I can because I do not want to fill up 10 different suitcases with a bunch of stuff. So if you're looking for the best travel carry-on size backpack out there, the one that I've used over the last five years all over the world, check them out, tortugabackpacks.com. They've got a range of options for all different types of travelers. You can use our special code EPOP, that's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Australia is one of my favorite countries in the world that I've been to, and New Zealand is the very top of the list of countries that we want to go to that we haven't been to yet. But there's an issue with both those countries, and that is if you're coming from the United States, it can be very, very expensive to get a flight over to that part of the world, which makes sense. It is an absolutely long way to go. But I've got some good news for you. We have an app out. It's called Jetto, J-E-T-T-O. If you haven't downloaded it yet, check it out. It's on all the app stores. And what it'll do is send you the cheapest flight deals out there. Thankfully, we've been able to put out some amazing deals to New Zealand and to Australia. We're talking about from mainland US, stuff under $600. That's about half the price that a normal flight would cost you. So if you haven't downloaded the app yet, go do it now. Jetto, J-E-T-T-O, totally free to download, and you'll start getting cheap flight deals directly to your phone. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who serves as a lifeguard at one of Sydney's beaches, who loves Aussie Rules football, which I still don't understand, so you're going to have to explain that to me, (laughs) and who knows more about travel insurance than probably 99.9% of other humans alive, Phil Sylvester, Head of Media and Communications for World Nomads. Phil, thanks for joining me today, and welcome. Thank you, Travis. Um, I know more about travel insurance than even I thought I wanted to know. <laughs> That's right. And we're going <laughs> to we're gonna be diving deep into it because it's one of those misunderstood, seemingly complex, but obviously incredibly important parts of travel. So you have that dichotomy, right? Like super important, but it's hard to understand or, or seemingly hard to understand, seemingly complex. So we're going to get into that throughout this podcast. I'm going to be peppering you, Phil, with, with all the questions that I have and, and that I've heard about. So we'll, we'll kind of dive into that. But first, I want to talk about one of the things that kind of is the reason that we're even getting into this. And that's because one of the things I love about World Nomads is that it's created for travelers by travelers, which means you yourself, Phil, is a traveler. So where did that come from, your love of travel? 
Well, uh, obviously, you can tell by the accent that uh, I'm Australian and it's long been a tradition here. Uh, you know, like you guys do, a, you know, a, a gap year or the, the English kids do a gap year. We kind of do the same thing here. We used to call it the kangaroo route uh, where you'd hop hop across Asia over to Europe. I mean, we've got very strong ties back to England. So uh, a lot of Aussie kids, when they finish their college, will go back to um, England and work there for a while, go and explore Europe and then come back home to Australia after that experience. And I was very much a part of that as well. So uh, same thing, sort of packed up the bags and put a backpack on, said goodbye to mum and went and tried my way around uh, having a look at things around Europe and, you know, got into some trouble but had a great time too. <laughs> was there was there uh, an aha moment or was it just that trip in general? Uh, look, I actually, uh, my parents um often joked about themselves saying that they had gypsy blood in them when i was a kid we moved around a lot um went to a bunch of different schools have always found it really easy because of that have always found it easy to make new friends when you go somewhere find it easy to speak to people and even when you're doing that you know kind of locally within your own country that's the same thing you know like you're finding somewhere new you're finding new people and i've always had a love of doing that so you know you just extrapolate that it's like well i've done my local area let's go try another country what what has then changed about the travel for you over the last how many years like since that since that gap year experience what have you found to be some of the biggest changes in in either the way you travel or just the idea of travel in general as a whole Okay, well, I could give away and let you know how old I am. but <laughs> That's why I didn't put a number on it. I didn't say yeah, an amount yeah, of years. Yeah. <laughs> I just said in, in so many, in how many years, you know, who knows. <laughs> uh, look, when I, was, when I was doing that, and I'm talking about the 1980s, all right, you probably weren't even born then, mate, aren't you? I, I was born, um, I was born, but not, I wasn't that old, let's put it that way. There just wasn't the infrastructure for uh, backpackers and for youth travel. It just didn't exist. Uh, there were very few hostels everywhere that you went. So I, you know, packed a tent and we did a lot of camping when we travelled around. But that whole infrastructure around it, the whole industry around it, um, simply didn't exist. So you really were, uh, you know, roughing it and you really were making your own way. Uh, there were none of those, you know, great sort of trips, you know, tours organised for backpackers. None of that went on. So you were really out there exploring it pretty much on your own. About the only thing that was around then was, you know, like the Kentucky tour and those guys are still going and, um, you know, <laughs> but I didn't do one of those. So I, I sort of made my own way around. And what if, like, do you think it's, I don't want to say better or worse, but what do you think are the advantages of what it's like now where, where there is so much prevalence of information and, and like you said, companies that'll help you do it, blogs that'll write about it, podcasts that you can listen to versus when you were doing it, all right, yeah, people are doing it, but you're getting stuff secondhand from your cousin's brother who went to this country and you know he's telling you one place on the map to go and you go off and see it. You know, what do you think are the pros and cons of those two situations? Uh, well, it's very similar. I mean, uh, as you know, Travis, I also co-host our own The World Nomads podcast as well, where we look at different destinations uh, in each episode. And I keep adding places to my bucket list. I'm sorry, we, we did Botswana just recently. It had never been on my list. And you hear these incredible stories from people and go, man, I have to go there as well now. I've got Panama on the list. I've oh, made so many places. So it's actually like it was back in the old days where you would hear from, you know, word of mouth from your cousin. But it's so much faster. But that's great. I mean, you know, all these years later, I'm still hearing about places that I still so want to go to i mean things like everybody and i've been to and it's magnificent machu picchu but there's another one about two days hike away and excuse the pronunciation like chokwikire or something like that and it's like just the same thing but whereas machu picchu gets five thousand visitors today chokwikire gets 50 a week you know i want to go there now and I only heard that because that kind of information, the bloggers, the 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 online information is available. It's fantastic. Yeah, there certainly is no dearth of places to go, even in 
countries or areas like you mentioned that are can can seem over touristed or have come like risen to prominence and fame Machu Picchu you know certain countries it's amazing that even just right around the corner from those types of things are these hidden gems that are still being discovered. And I don't think that's something in my mind that, that will ever change, right? Because there's always, you can always push further, 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 further afield. Yeah. Look, when uh, in the 80s, I mean, when uh, Margaret and Tony Wheeler started Lonely Planet, they did very much the same thing. That was, you know, they're Aussies and they did that sort of backpacking trip through Southeast Asia. So, um South America now is going through that same sort of experience. So, you know, Southeast Asia, Thailand and what have you is pretty sort of heavily touristed these days, although, you know, there are still plenty of places where you can get off the beaten track. But I'm finding now that you have a look at uh, South America and it's going through where Southeast Asia was like 25 years ago. And I can even start to see now that the next one just coming up over the horizon now are the stands, uh, and they are incredible. I, I just keep seeing things about them all the time from people who are out there on the pointy end of, of travel. Yeah, when I I said to my wife uh, a couple of days ago, we were talking about it, and we were we were writing down our our bucket list of travel, and I was rating each type of trip as a one, two, or three. So a one was something super easy, like oh, I want to go to New Orleans for a week. Okay, for us from Philadelphia, super easy, right? Yeah. Not not real much yeah. thought. We could do it whenever. A two was like. All right, going back to Thailand. We've been there. Okay, it's further afield, this and that. And then threes were, all right, this is a lot of planning, prep. Maybe we haven't been there before. And that was New Zealand. And then my number one on that on that three list was, I just want to go to the stands. I just want to get there. I mean, yeah. I know a few people have been there. And I look at it and I just think, this is amazing. And the crazy part is it's a huge swath of the world, too. We're not talking about oh, a few little mini countries in here. I mean, it's a huge chunk of the world that I think is starting to get a little touristed but still in that that i find the the beauty of that zone right where it's like there's some infrastructure it's not like you're there's nothing but you're going to be pretty off the beaten path yeah i was talking to a guy recently uh, you are off the beaten path i was talking to a guy uh interviewing him for that podcast and he was saying um wherever he goes he's welcomed into people's homes they're like going what are you coming and visiting our country for? And he's going, are you kidding me? This is awesome. <laughs> and they're so surprised to find people who want to um, experience their country that they're just throwing their homes open and embracing people. So it just sounds like the most amazing experience. Yeah, and I, I found I had that similar situation happen in, in Georgia as well, which I guess if you're talking about amount of tourists probably a li a, a tiny rung up maybe from from the stands but similar type thing where you'd go to areas and and people were like why are you here like oh i'm i'm here to travel like really like yeah 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 that's why i'm here uh, you know i chose to come to your country and so same thing doors being flung open wine being drunk like you know yeah. just a, a a party and and uh obviously you can you can get those experiences anywhere but you're more apt to get it in these places that that see less tourists um, actually, actually i've just i've just remembered the the person i was speaking to was actually the founder of world nomads it was simon monk and he was saying um he didn't pay for a meal in a week and he said he just went from one house to an, to the next with these massive feasts spread out on the table in front of him yeah that's awesome that's what that's what we're looking for i think at least me and, and you and and a lot of travelers you know as you push further and further out um a little bit and that's not to say all travel has to be that way right sometimes you just want a, a nice and easy trip but talking talking about world nomads and how did you end up getting hooked up with world nomads <laughs> okay uh um, the general manager of World Nomads, and he was uh, at the company from very early days when it was about four people sitting around a table. Uh, his name's Chris Noble. He's a great man. I've known him for 22 years last Saturday, as a matter of fact. Um, I like that he, you know your anniversary. How, how, how do you know the date that you met him? His, it, his wife and my wife went to university together, went to college together. Um, I, before they were married, I worked with um, his wife uh, when I worked in TV and she invited me to a party at his house um, and it was his birthday. And, it, and so I know it was his birthday, but whilst I was at her house, 
her best friend who I'd never met walked into the party and I've gone, who's that girl? And she's gone, that's my best friend, Joe. And uh, it was love at first sight. We've been married for since 99 now. So I, I met him and my wife on the same day. So I do remember that. There you go. Okay. Uh, at least there, <laughs> there's some story behind it. You're not just like, oh, I know. Sure. No, November, whatever it is, that day we yep. had Chris met. Okay. Cool. So you can guys. I, can, I, can I just give some advice to um, especially the young, any young man out there? Um, if you can try and coordinate the day that you met your partner with your wedding day, so they are both the same date, you're streets ahead. Otherwise, you end up with two anniversaries you have to remember. <laughs> there you go. Always just trying to be efficient and effective, right? You know, hey. that's it. Any one date to remember. That's right. All right. So you and Chris met, and and he was at World Nomads, or, or he's the general manager, and you guys met. So what yes. then brought you and to I, to the company? Okay. Well, I was uh, I was working as a broadcast journalist. I'd been uh, TV news producer for about 25 years and then I went off and worked I was the executive producer of a talkback radio show for a few years after that as well and they said look we're we're a travel insurance company but we want to create some content that's close to that if we can keep people uh out of trouble if we can help them travel more safely then they're going to travel again if you go away and you have a terrible experience you go oh, travel was terrible and you're never going to go again but if we can inform you before you go about the potential dangers that you may encounter and then you can work to avoid them, you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a much better experience and you're going to keep traveling and you're going to end up loving travel as much as we at World Nomads do. So I was brought on to write um, travel safety content. Um, and we do. We have. Uh, we still have a, a vertical on the blog, Travel Safety, and we have got – information specific to each of the 196 countries in the world and uh, some of it's a bit old and a bit inaccurate and I get pulled up on it occasionally but if you're out there and you read something that we've written and it's not right then send us a message we want to correct it for sure and so you know then I so I moved from journalism general journalism into you know writing these travel things and then once you've created content somebody says well you better learn how to market that content so you become a content marketer and the next thing you know you're all over paid owned and earned and the next thing you know you're in charge of earned media <laughs> there you go you just become a jack of all trades at that point and and then you're the man to talk to when someone wants to come on a podcast right um let, let's talk a little bit about, or not a little bit, let's talk a lot about travel insurance. Because again, this is a topic that I think scares a lot of people and has a lot of misconceptions about that. So what do you see and what do you hear as some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around travel insurance? Uh, the biggest problem is people assume they're covered for something. I've got an insurance policy, I'm covered. No, you're not. Uh, all policies are different. Uh, you, there are exclusions and, you know, things are covered, some things are not covered. And, you know, I think there are three uh, prompts for you to read the policy wording before you purchase uh, a policy from us. Uh, read the policy wording, we say. And there's even a little box that you tick <laughs> that says, I've read it and I agree. You know, don't just tick the box. Go and have a look. We've made it as simple as we can in play. Just go and read the summary at least so you know what you're covered for. So the biggest bugbear is people go, well, I bought my policy. Surely I'm covered for this. Yeah, no, you're not. When people are reading through then, what should they be looking for specifically? As essentially, what are the things that I should say, all right, I know now that my travel insurance covers this, but it doesn't cover that? Yeah. Look, if you uh, – World, World Nomads is uh, uh, has coverage designed for people who are going on longer-term travel and have uh, more loose plans you you know it's not a it's not a vacation you don't have to be back at work at a particular time so our coverage for like cancellation and delay isn't as good as some other people's policies that's because we kind of figure if your flight's delayed for a couple of days in bali you're going to be pretty happy to go back to the villa and hang out <laughs> in bali for a couple of days until your plane's ready um it's not like you have a pressing deadline to get home and you know get the dog out of the kennel or something like that so you know 
that and if you are traveling with lots and lots of expensive electronic equipment like you're a you know semi-pro photographer then the amount of coverage we give for you know lost items may not be sufficient for you so what we say is you've got to make sure that the policy you choose is right for your particular circumstances and look and if our policy is not right go pick another one because we want you to be covered properly so you know you've got lots of semi-pro photography equipment check with your local photography club they're bound to have a deal with a provider and you can get proper coverage there if it's really important for you to be home on a specific date then you know pick a policy that's got more cancellation and delay coverage than we do but if you want a policy that will cover 150 or plus adventure activities automatically then world nomads is the policy for you you know you want to go bungee jumping you want to go pointing you want to do some of those things then world nomads is the policy for you but can i say not all adventure i said 150 not every adventure activity is covered so even there you have to read our policy and make sure that what you think you might be doing is actually covered yeah so i know it's not a one-size-fits-all but what what are the big things that you often hear people say oh i thought i was covered for that but then they're not. So what are the, again, those big items that people should look at when they're reading through a policy? Is one of them, you know, how much coverage they have for luggage slash equipment? Like what are those, the, the, the big ones that get misconstrued a bunch? Yeah. You know, look, everybody takes out travel insurance or trip protection or whatever you want to call it because they think, oh, my luggage is going to get, my luggage is going to get stolen. Yeah, it might. About 10% of people make a claim. But where you really, really need your travel insurance is if you get sick or you get injured overseas. It's the medical coverage, which is really what it's all about. Who cares if you lost, you know, a cell phone? Who cares if you had to go and buy a bunch of new clothes? If you have Japanese encephalitis in Thailand, you need good medical care and you need to get home and that's what we're going to do for you. So that's the, that's really you know, our most uh, expensive case in 2017 uh, was about 200,000 US dollars. Uh, it was a a child who um, got some sort of brain disease whilst in a very remote part of Alaska and had to be air evacuated to Seattle and then uh, back home to uh, their home state as well. $200,000. You got spare two hundred thousand in the bank, Travers? I don't. I, I, I do not, unfortunately. And if I did, I would not <laughs> want to have to spend it. I mean, I'd want my kid to be yeah. okay, but I'd rather have gotten World Nomads and have it covered at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What? So look, check it check out the medical coverage and all the other stuff. Yeah, make sure it's it's right for you, but remember it's it's the big ticket item is the one that you really need to check out. So every time that I've uh, looked at World Nomads or gotten World Nomads, and you can tell me if this is different depending on countries, because I know there's a lot of variables, there's always been two levels of coverage. Is that always the case, or or, or are there more tiers sometimes? No, just two uh, in most of our markets, because we sell policies to 130 different countries. So, um, And that means that we have six different underwriters across the world. So, you know, who underwrites the policy in Canada is different to the one in America, is different to the one um, in uh, Europe. We have, we do our, our own underwriting for Australasia and now for uh, the UK and Europe. So, but we still rely on underwriters. So the policy is a bit different. But yeah, generally you get two tiers. There's a, a standard and an explorer. And so uh, then, oh, I was going to ask then with those, what... How would you differentiate, in layman's terms, who should get which one? Uh, there's slightly larger, you know, uh, payments, benefits available for things like uh, damaged or lost equipment between the two. And the Explorer policy will also cover more of the adventure activities, the riskier adventure activities automatically. So basically it's you pay slightly higher premium to cover some of the more risky uh, activities. And of course, one of the questions, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, is when should people get travel insurance and when shouldn't they? Or, or is there a time when they shouldn't get it? Or is it, or is it something you're like, no, oh, and no matter what trip you're going on, make sure you have it. 
Mate, if you're a billionaire and you've got plenty of money in the bank and you don't mind paying $200,000 for an air evacuation from the wilds of somewhere or other to a decent hospital, you don't need travel insurance because you've got the money. Everybody else, you need travel insurance. Uh, and look, the uh, the beauty of travel insurance is because things like cancellation, um, so if you buy, you book a trip to, you know, the Caribbean and a, a hurricane is coming and it comes and smashes your resort and your resort's closed and your trip is cancelled, uh, you will lose the deposit that you've paid for that resort unless you have travel insurance, in which case generally it's going to be covered so as soon as you pay any money for a for a flight or book a hostel or book a, a trip or something somewhere buy your travel insurance even if it's you know like three four six months before you travel because you get that coverage in case of cancellation so you kind of get free insurance coverage leading up to the de- date of your departure okay so that's that's interesting to know so there's no downside to buying a policy early, like there's, I, I'm not paying anything extra if I if I buy it now, but my trip is in six months, and I buy it for those for those months when I'm actually traveling. There's no downside to getting it ahead of time. Uh, plenty of upside, not a lot of downside there. Okay, is there? Is it? Does it work like airline tickets or anything like that, where it's constantly fluctuating? So if I bought a policy to go to uh, New Zealand and uh, let's say I'm going next December, right? And I'm saying, all right, I'm going to, I got my ticket. So I'm actually going to buy my travel insurance. Will it be less if I wait until close to the time or will it always be the same price as long as it's same dates and same countries? Same price. Doesn't change that way. Yeah. Okay. So you're always, no matter and what. And it may actually, yeah. well, you know, occasionally, a couple of times a year, obviously we look at, you know, our pricing structure and we try to stay competitive and what have you. So sometimes prices will fluctuate, but only a couple of times a year. But once you bought your policy, you bought your policy. That's it. Even if it's before your trip and, you know, that policy would have been more expensive if you'd bought it later, doesn't matter. You've got your certificate of insurance, you're covered. So you get locked into that price That's- no matter what. That's it. And then what happens if you buy a travel insurance policy? So let's say I bought that for for New Zealand and all of a sudden I can't go on the trip for whatever reason. Is there a refund period for, for getting a refund for the travel insurance? There's a cooling off period after you first purchase one of about 48 hours uh, where you can change your mind. After that, then we don't do cancel for any reason. If you just change your mind, that's change of mind. We don't cover that. But there are about, I'm trying to remember the number, there's something like 16 or 22 different reasons that you can cancel uh, your trip and get uh, and get your deposits back. Uh, if you break your leg, like if you if you're too ill to travel, uh, if a traveling companion or a close family member becomes unexpectedly ill uh, and you can't travel, if you get called up for jury duty, if you get called up for military service, if your the business you work for goes bankrupt, if, uh, you know, there is a bunch of reasons, uh, if your house gets destroyed in a natural disaster and a whole bunch of reasons other than I've changed my mind, that enable you to say, right, okay, I've got to, you know, cancel my trip. I can't go anymore. Can I just, can I just get into cancellation though? I mean, yeah, kind of everybody sure. thinks, everybody thinks, oh, I can't, you know, one of these reasons I can no longer go I'm a, and I'm going to cancel my trip. And they think it's the travel insurer's job to cancel your trip for you. We cover the out-of-pocket expenses. So, you know, that 10% deposit you paid on the tour that you booked, the tour company will hand you back 90%. You want to cancel, you, yeah, sure, they keep the 10%. We cover that 10%. So what you have to do is go to all of your airlines and your you know, hostels and your tour providers and say, I want to cancel, and they give you what they're going to give you. The outstanding amount is what you claim for your from your travel insurance. What we're trying to do is make sure that you end up not out of pocket, that you end up in the same situation where before, in, we're never going to make you better off. That's we're not going to make it advantageous. <laughs> not going to give you money, right? Sure. No, <laughs> free money. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, that's not us. Uh, so you know that's kind of the way it works. So you know, 
it, to make your claim go faster, you should try and recover as much of your money as you can from the people with whom you've booked and then let us know about the bits that you haven't been able to get back. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, about the process of making a claim. Thankfully for me, I have actually never had to make a claim when I've gotten travel insurance. So, you know, I'll take that record and streak all day, every day, right? Um, but what is the process like when making a claim? Walk, walk me through what I'd have to do and kind of the obstacles I'd have to jump to. And then again, like you said, things I could do that would, would make it easier on you and myself. All right. There's a few procedures and they're basically about preventing fraud. If you think about it like that, you know, who's, uh, my cell phone's been stolen. How do I know that's true? So we need a couple of things. One is proof that you owned it in the first place and then proof that it was actually stolen or lost. So what we're going to need is um, proof that you owned it can be you're like do you still have the receipt when you bought it have you got a shoebox with receipts in i don't no certainly not no <laughs> I, if i no not at all man uh so here's a big tip okay like if you've got a photograph of you with the item that pro- will probably you know that might be good enough here's a top tip though before you go on a trip and you've packed your bag lay everything out on the floor uh, with that day's newspaper and take a photograph. Oh, write okay. down the, nice. Write down the, write down the serial number of your cell phone and your camera and the other equipment that you're taking. Write it down, put it in a, you know, in the cloud somewhere so you've got all that stuff. That will probably, in most cases, will get you through the proof of ownership hoops. And then the other thing is you need to prove that it was actually lost and or stolen. And especially if it's been stolen, we require you to get a police report as soon as possible, preferably within 24 hours. Now, you may be in, you know, up the Amazon somewhere and you can't get back to Manaus for the next three days. That's fine. But as soon as you're back in Manaus, you've got 24 hours to get a police report. Uh, If it happens on, you know, an airline or a ship or even on a bus, try and get a report from the carrier as well as we call it. So, you know, get a police report, get a Say that, you know, even a piece of paper that says, yep, Travis Sherry reported to us that his phone was lost on the bus. Get that documentation together. That will speed up your claim no end. What should people do if it's lost and not stolen? You need to be able, I mean, even a stat deck, a statutory declaration. I had it when I left here and I didn't have it when I went there. I don't know what happened to it in between. And listen to those words very carefully. I had it when I left the hotel. I didn't have it when I got home. I don't know what happened in between. That's all you have to say. You don't have to speculate. (laughs) People, you know, often tell us too much information uh to their own detriment okay because so simpler to, simpler is better at that point yeah look because we don't cover stupidity okay <laughs> if you're a dumbass we're not gonna cover you i left it in the in the cab i i left it in the uh, uh pocket on the back of the seat on the bus is carelessness and is very probably not covered so be careful about what you do with your equipment. We really want you to look after that stuff. But if you do lose something, don't speculate too much. <laughs> yeah, be as vague as possible. Okay, I like that. Now, all right, so that that's making claims with, with stuff and, and losing or stolen stuff. The big one, uh, as you mentioned, and kind of in my mind also, the most important reason you should have travel insurance is is the medical stuff and, and all that. If you're making a medical claim... What does that look like? Yeah, look, if it's a minor, you know, you have to go to a clinic to, you know, get some medication or, you know, get a minor cut bandaged up or something like that. Pay the bill, get the receipt from the clinic and you can claim online so that you can get the money back even while you're still traveling. But if it's a major medical, you know, you are admitted to an emergency ward, for example, then, you know, it's as soon as they've stemmed the bleeding, as soon as they've kept you alive, the next person you see, and I'm not kidding, this really happens, is somebody with a clipboard from the front office wanting to know how you're going to pay for your treatment. In that case, give them your World World Nomads policy number. They will call us. They will call our emergency assistance team and they will arrange payment. 
So in those cases, we generally, what we do is we arrange prepayment. So we say, yeah, this is a covered uh, uh, example. This is a covered incident. We guarantee to pay up to a certain amount and the treatment goes ahead and you never have to take your credit card out of your wallet. Now, with the medical, and I know maybe it's different, hopefully it's different than the, the medical system in the U.S., where you're constantly saying, is this covered? Is this not covered? Blah, blah, blah. You know, jumping through hoops. What what is covered? What isn't covered when it comes to medical expenses? Like, is, is it cut and dry? You know, how can someone know if they should go to the hospital if it's not something, as you mentioned, like, obviously, sometimes you're gonna have to go to the hospital because it's major emergency. But what other like what would be covered and what wouldn't be covered medically wise? Best thing to do if you are unsure, give the emergency assistance uh, people a call. There's a number on your policy. It's all over our website. Call emergency assistance and go, this is what's happening to me. What should I do? Uh, they deal with that all day, every day, uh, sadly, and they will send you to the best nearest hospital or they will arrange for medical cover to come to you if you're unable to move and they will advise you on what is and is not covered. But basically, if you need medical assistance, you need to be admitted to hospital, then we're not going to quibble about, you know, how many, uh, you know, syringes were used and what have you, like coverage is coverage. But dental, like things like dental, we only cover emergency dental. So if you smash your teeth out, we're going to cover that. But we're not going to cover you getting some new caps on your teeth while you're away. Right. It's like I need a root canal. Okay, I'm going to get World Nomads and and fly to Mexico and and get it covered. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, we certainly don't cover <laughs> uh, you know medical tourism. Uh, it's right. specifically excluded. Right now, what? Like we talked about facilities a little bit. If I, let's say I'm, I'll use an example. Let's say I'm in Thailand and um, you know I get sick and I have stomach pains. I have to go to an emergency room to see what's going on. Would would certain places or certain hospitals be covered and other ones not covered? Or again, is coverage coverage? I should expect that I can go to any of them and be okay. You can go to any of them and you will be covered. But there are approved hospitals and clinics where we and it's nothing to do with the expense it's to do with the quality of care that you're going to get uh you're lucky in thailand there's you know it's kind of a two-tier system they have got a world-class uh hospital and medical system but they also have a really third world one <laughs> do you know which one's which when you walk in you probably don't but we do so if you're sick call us and we will send you to the nearest best one and if you know if you end up in a hospital because uh, we've got medical staff as well so once you're admitted we will monitor uh, the care that you are being given and if we don't think the care that you're getting is up to the proper standard, we will move you to a hospital where you will get that. Um, and that is all covered as well, because that's nothing that we, it's unlike your medical insurance there. We're not, we don't really care that much about the expense. What we care about is getting you the best care that we can find. And so on that note, when it comes to like your home country, two, two questions with that. You know, sometimes people say, all right, I'm not going to get travel insurance because my home country's insurance is going to cover me. True or, un and I know we're, there's a lot of countries in the world, but I mean, true or untrue in, as a general rule of thumb? For domestic travel in the United States you're talking about, we cover you if you're more than 100 miles from home. Your and it varies so much depending on who your you know medical insurer is, um, but um, many of them will pay for your medical. You know, you live in you live in Florida and you're in Wisconsin. They will pay for your medical um, expenses, your medical care in a hospital in Wisconsin, but they won't get you home. Whereas Trip Insurance, World Nomads, Travel Insurance. We may go, well, you know, like you're going to be in hospital in Wisconsin for two weeks, which is probably not the best for you. You'd be The better treatment for you would be at home where you've got family around you to support you. We're going to transfer you from Wisconsin back home to Florida. Your, you, generally, your U.S. medical insurer won't do that for you, but your travel insurance will. Okay. So, so if you're traveling domestically in your home country, 
again, is there like a, again, a general rule of thumb? I know this is not one size fits all for when you would recommend someone getting insurance or not. I, obviously, you said it has to be over 100 miles or more from home, but let's say it is. I'm, I'm in Florida or I'm from Florida. I go to Wisconsin. It's over 100 miles. You know, should I get it? Is there a length of time where you're like, all right, well, if you're going for over this time, you should get it. Should I always get it or should I never get it? Well, you've still got all that cancellation and delay coverage that comes with it when you're traveling internally in the United States. So, uh, and you know how often flights get canceled and delayed. So why would you not get an insurance policy? Yeah, I guess. Okay, let's put it this way then. What if you were like driving? Is that is that totally like now are you considering, hey, this isn't really a trip or is there even times when you're when the cancellation isn't going to play as big a part into it, obviously, because you know, you're, you're on the road or something like that. Um, you are on a driving trip, you get sick, you get put in hospital in Wisconsin and then you get flown home to Florida. Uh, what's happened to your car? Who's going to get your car back? Okay. So, so, so at any point I should, we can help you, we can help you with that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So then let's bring it to the, the idea of price, right? Um, how does this work? Because I, I was just playing around with World Nomads the other day. Hey, we're looking to go to Colombia and Mexico. Um, you know, obviously we live in the U.S. So with the pricing structure, first, I guess I'm interested in does what what country I'm going to change the price, and does the amount of countries I'm going to change the price? Would it be much less expensive if I only went to Thailand it, rather than going Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia? Um, Myanmar and then coming back? We split the world up into a number of regions and basically North America, so Canada and the United States are a region of their own because your medical expenses are eye-wateringly high. <laughs> so if you're so for the rest of the world traveling to uh, you know North America, you will pay more for a policy because basically it's the risk that comes from the expense we're going to get from hospital coverage. Um, and the other regions, um, if you're going to a remote region, um, then we kind of factor in how much it's going to cost us to get you to a decent hospital. So there are places, there are other regions where we go, well, medical facilities are a bit sparse on the ground, so it's going to cost us more to get you the cover that you need. So that might be a bit more expensive as well, but not as expensive as the North America. Um, Thailand, that entire Southeast Asian region is all in a region of its own. And that's probably the cheapest one to go to because there is great medical uh, coverage there. Uh, especially in Thailand, and it's not super expensive either. Uh, Japan's expensive. They've got expensive medi uh, you know, hospital coverage too, so Japan's one of the more expensive ones. But that's kind of how we do it. And it gets back to what is the thing that's, you know, you, you, know, you lose a cell phone, you lose a cell phone. It's the same price the world over. But to us as an insurer, what are the, what's the risk, you know, the insurance risk to us, what is going to be the most expensive part of something that you may claim. And so we look at basically hospital costs. Okay. So that makes sense. Then is it, is there like some sort of, and again, I, I, I don't want to use the word discount because it's not a discount, but do prices get cheaper for the longer you travel? Meaning if I get a one month policy or I get a six month policy, is the six month policy that one month price times six, or is it something that's lower because I'm going for a longer time? It's kind of like a um, a base cost. Whether you're going for a day or a year, there's kind of a you know a base risk, if you like. Um, so short trips will the policy seems to be more expensive. Well, if you divide it by the number of days that you're traveling, all right. So a short policy is going to, per day is going to seem more expensive than a long duration one. But yes, there is a fact there is a certain amount of time that you can go away after which it becomes more likely that you will make a claim and that tends to be beyond about six months. First six months nobody you know the chances of you making a claim are about the same, but they go up a bit later. But 
I'm, you know, this is actuarial tables, sure, right? And sure. you, you never want to look at one of those. Trust me. <laughs> gotcha. So generalities, we're talking. And again, yeah, pe- yeah, yeah. people aren't going to book or, or plan their trip based on how much travel insurance costs, because you know you should go where you want for as long as you could go anyway. But we're saying, all right, if you. If you go a little longer, it's not going to be as much per day. That six month might be a little bit of a breaking point where then it it stops getting cheaper per day or something like that. If we're yeah, just talking, yeah, general but only stuff. marginally. Look, I mean, there are two there's two ways of calculating travel insurance, and it's still quite common in the United States to do it on the what is the value of your trip? How much is your trip costing you? We are going to charge you, you know, seven and a half percent of the value of your trip. Um, we don't do it that way, and that's kind of not the way it's done in the rest of the world. But the 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 premium that you will pay for a World Nomads policy is determined by the the amount of cover you've got. So, you know, the upper limits of the benefits that we pay. So, you know, if you had the most disastrous trip ever and you claimed everything, <laughs> what is the exposure that we have? For that, and that is where the 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 policy premium is set. So it's if you're going on a you know two thousand dollar trip or a twenty thousand dollar trip, if you're going to the same place for the same uh, length of time, the premium will be the same because because it's determined on the maximum possible benefit that we may have to pay out. Again, it's actuarial tables and it's averaged and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But think of it that way. So it's not a percentage of the cost of your trip. It's how much, what is the size of the benefit that we are likely to have to pay out? Right. Like what's your worst case scenario? And and yeah. And then what is that? determine? That's what determines the, the amount that you pay for the policy. What if you're going on an open ended trip or you aren't sure what countries you're going to? Because this is a lot of our listeners, this is myself included sometimes. It's like, yeah, I don't know when I'm coming back. I have a one-way ticket. Probably going to go to this region, but I might pop over here. What would I do in order to make sure that I'm getting a policy that then covers me? World Nomads is one of the very few travel insurance policies in the world that you can buy after you've left. Uh, Mostly you have to be situated in your home country to buy a policy before you depart. You can actually buy one after you've gone. There's a cooling off period of 48 hours where you can't make a claim, but after that you're covered. The benefit of that means you can buy a policy that covers you for up to a year. Um, but if you decide to extend and you're still away, even if you've you know done it for a month and you decide, decide to, you're going to stay away longer, because you can buy from out of country, you can extend your policy. So you just get online and go, I want to extend my policy for another month and pay another premium and you're still covered. Uh, if you have, um, there's basically, there is a worldwide policy, so you can go anywhere, but that will include North America, so the policy will be a bit more expensive because of the medical. So you can go worldwide excluding North America. And then if you if you change your mind and you're going to go to somewhere in North America, then you can ring up or you can just go online and you can extend your policy, you can change your policy to include a new country. But that's the beauty of World Nomads. It's made exactly for people like you, people who want to travel long term and people who, who have pretty loose plans. And we're open to making all those changes as simply as we can. So the most overarching policy someone could get would be worldwide, including North America, let's say, and then up for up to a year. So if you just said, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know how long I'm going, but I'm going at least a year, they they feasibly, and I'm not saying this would be the most financially prudent thing to do, but they could say worldwide up to a year and then they're they're covered for anything for that, that year that they have the policy. We sell a lot of those policies. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's that, what people do. They just yeah. love it, you know? I, I mean, honestly, it, it takes even if you're paying a little more than than maybe you would if you piecemealed it together every time you were going, it's that peace of mind too of saying, I don't have to deal with this, right? I'm I'm going for a year. Now on that note if, if someone doesn't have a worldwide and I'm in a region, let's say, again, I'm in Southeast Asia, and on, when I first got the policy, I said, I'm going to Thailand and Vietnam, and then I want to go down to Malaysia. Do I, like, would I call up and add Malaysia on, or would I be able to see online, okay, it's in the same region, I don't even have to bother because I'm staying within that region? We operate on social media as well. Um, just, you know, 
jump on Facebook or on Messenger or, or email us or give us a call and say, hey, I didn't have Malaysia on my policy before. Am I still covered if I go there? Uh, I can pretty much guarantee that if you've got a policy for Vietnam and Cambodia, you're covered for Malaysia. It's in the same region. But we don't expect you to know that. Right. But ring us and ask us, ring us and ask us or drop us, you know, something on social media. We'll answer that straight away. Okay. So if if... Yeah, if you don't know the regions, always, I mean, it's smart to just ask. If you, for somehow, if you somehow do know the region, you know, okay, I, like you won't have to get a new policy for, if you're in the same region. You'll just have to, no. you'll just have to stay um, on the same policy. And you okay. may, and you know, and you may, you may have coverage for an expensive region and you're going to a cheaper one. Yeah, no, you're covered for that too. Okay. <laughs> it's only if you go from, you know, cheap region to an expensive one that we're probably going to need a bit more money out of you. Right, but the right. other way around, you, you're probably going to be covered. Okay, cool. Then what about with with children? Do you need an a, pol a policy for kids? And if so, what age would you need to start that at? Uh, <laughs> kids get sick really easily <laughs> from a very young age. Put them on your policy. Now, this is where I'd have to open up and go to all six different underwriters and check this, but I'm pretty sure we include kids for free in the US policy. Can I check on that and let you know for sure afterwards? Yeah, sure, uh, of course. And yeah, you could check on it. And again, anything that's said here, you know, don't take this as you know as perfect uh set in stone we'll make sure when you're when you're doing it like you mentioned uh phil you know people can ask on social media when you're getting a policy be sure to ask those questions whether you call them up whether you ask on the chat whatever um but okay so with kids yes you should get insurance for or travel insurance for your kids yes yeah, sure yeah some areas may you might be able to get them for free up to a certain age but that all depends and just something they should ask when they're when they're getting a plan. Yeah, if they and it, it's usually I think if they are covered, it's like dependent children traveling with you with you up to the age of about 18 or it might even be 21. So, right. you know, it's pretty generous kind of coverage when you get there. Yeah, that is great. Awesome. What what is the deal? OK, here's a interesting question kind of transitioning for a second. What's the deal with that insurance they try to sell you when you buy a plane ticket? They'll be like, all right, you bought this plane ticket, you know, right at checkout, you can add on that insurance. Is What is that? Should I get it? I mean, I never do. Um, so maybe I'm being dumb. Walk us through that, because I think that's a thing that people see. And that's what they think of when it comes to trip insurance or travel insurance is that specific note after they bought a ticket. Yeah, look, uh, it's pretty difficult when you're standing at the counter and there's a queue behind you and people all trying to get past you for you to be able to do your due diligence. As I mentioned before, like read the policy wording. Does it cover your particular circumstances? Is that policy right for you? If it's right for you and you're happy with the price, buy it. But I reckon you could probably get a policy that's even better as good as that or maybe even a little bit better and not as expensive. And they're just hoping that you are going to panic into buying it right now. And there are lots of reports from consumer um, advocacy groups that the uh, trip insurance you will get offered at the counter of an airline is not the best option that you can take. Okay. And, and I guess I would hold true for if I'm booking a flight – Online, like through through an online travel agent. Let's say I'm on kayak and I book it. Sa same type of thing there. Hey, maybe either read it through then or at least check what they're offering and then go check World Nomads and kind of see what, what the deal is with, between the two. Yeah, well, look, that might be slightly different as well. For example, uh, Lonely Planet are an affiliate partner of ours and they recommend World Nomads travel insurance. So uh, through, throughout the Lonely Planet site, Throughout Contiki, Boots and All, uh, Nomadic Mat, uh, we've got like 5,000 different affiliate partners. They will say, we recommend World Nomads. Uh, they make money out of that. We give them a you know an affiliate code. And uh, if anybody's got their own blog out there, by the way, if you want to sell our travel insurance in that way, then it's a nice earner. Um, but yeah, so that may be a little bit different when you're on there. But the same rules apply. Like, check it out. Read the policy wording. Is it right for me? Does it cover the type of trip I want to go on? Does it cover the, you know, the the valuables I'm taking? Is it right for my circumstances? 
yeah, and if anyone wants to check ours out, because you mentioned it, you can, go, yeah, you can go extrapackofpeanuts.com slash worldnomads, and uh, then you can go through through our site. Hey, there you go. Win-win for everyone, right? Um, I want to kind of, I mean, that was a ton of information on on travel insurance, and it cleared up a bunch of questions that I had. And, and you know, obviously, like we said, there isn't a one-size-fits-all this isn't set in stone answers. You still want to chat with someone. And especially if you're going to, you know, if you're going on two or three trips a year, how hard is it to get, you know, before you get the policy, spend 20 minutes asking questions, reading through it, this and that. I'd highly recommend anyone do that, um, no matter where you're going or no matter how long you're going, because it just makes sense. But I want to flip it around and get back to your travel experiences just for a moment. And I want to ask you some of your favorite ways that you save money when you're traveling, whether that be stuff that you did back, way back in the 80s or whether that be stuff that you do now. How do you like to save money when you're traveling? Mate, I've got kids. It's impossible to save money when you travel. <laughs> fair enough. Fair. So, so the way to save money is to go on a trip without the kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, we make use of uh, family in different parts of Australia a lot. So then you're not paying hotel bills. <laughs> All right. I like that. Look, be- look before that, I, um, I bought a secondhand car uh, in uh, the UK when I did that first backpacker trip and I drove that um, all over Europe and I slept in the back of it a few times and uh, you know we stayed in campsites rather than in hotels the other thing I find as well I did a trip to Venice pre-kids but with my wife um, and Venice you know wow have you you know ever tried to buy a cup of coffee in St Mark's uh, you know, wow, <laughs> that is the most expensive coffee you can get anywhere, I think. But we, uh, we're we big fans of wandering off, just disappearing and like, where does this turn take you? And we wandered off and we seriously, we were near the Bridge of Sighs, which you can't move because of people taking photographs. And we were no more than, well, you know, 200 yards away from the Bridge of Sighs. And we found ourselves in a local district and there was a, you know, local trattoria, and we went, okay, let's have lunch here. And it was very reasonably priced. And, you know, I was doing my best at ordering in Italian, to which the waiter said to me, you're doing very well. <laughs> in English, I assume, he said that. In English, yeah, right. It's like, like, you're doing well, let's let's cut the charade, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's true. And that was, you know, very reasonably priced, and it was uh, local Venetian people having their lunch. Um, so just take a bit of a walk, get away from everybody and see what you can find. Yeah. And some, and honestly, like you mentioned, sometimes that means going one street away from the tourist thing, you know, literally one street over and all of a sudden you're, you're in a whole new world and the price drops, you know, by a third or by a half. And like you said, I, I will always, unless I'm starving, not even when I'm starving, I still won't do it. But you know, if I'm at a tourist spot or a hot spot, it's always, all right, let me go two, three minutes out of here and find something different because you know that they're going to jack up the prices and it just makes sense, right? Rent is going to be higher, so they're going to charge higher prices. Um, what about your biggest travel mishap that you've ever had in your life? I was in Belgrade in Serbia two years ago. Fantastic place. Have you been to Belgrade? I have not, and I wanted to put it on our next trip when we're going to Croatia, but I don't think I can squeeze it in. But okay, so I should, I should, is what you're saying. Okay, amazing place, all right? Okay. The, um, the Danube runs through there. It's, it is literally at the, you know, junction of Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Old Belgrade has been raised to the ground about 13 times throughout history, all right? It's amazing place, just unbelievable. On one side of the river is Old Belgrade. On the other side of the river is this... Soviet socialist style new town that uh, the dictator Tito built. So, you know, it's like blocks, big square boulevards. Do you know why Soviet uh, cities like that have really wide streets? It's so you can move tanks. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so you can roll the tanks (laughs) in and out, right? That's it, yeah. Anyway, so I'm staying at a hotel on that side of the river because I was at a conference. And when I arrived, I... I mean, I'm the, I write travel safety, okay? I'm the travel safety guy. So I arrive at this hotel in Belgrade and I want to go and have a look at town. So I 
go down to the concierge desk and go, any parts of town I should not go to, anything I should be aware of, you know, things not to do. And he's and the guy goes, no, no, it's a pretty safe place. You'll be okay. Just watch out for the fake taxis. Uh, okay, how do you spot a fake taxi? And he said, they've got a taxi sign on top, but it just says taxi. The legitimate ones say taxi, but then they have a company logo as well. So he said, so don't get in the white taxis. Yeah, sure, no worries. Three nights later, I'm at a conference, okay? We've gone on some extracurricular activity one night. <laughs> we spill out of this bar and there's, you know, like five or six of us. And we go, um, there's a bunch of cabs there and we all start piling into the cabs. And um, one of my friends, he's gone, we're getting in white cabs. And I've gone, okay, everybody out, everybody out. But nobody would get out. So we end up in the white cab, all right? The ca- and I'm like, going, oh, no, <laughs> travel safety guy is going to get ripped off. <laughs> The um, the cab driver cranks up the radio with duft of music at like you know it's super high volume, and I'm like going, turn the music down, put the meter on, and he's like laughing. I'm going, no, listen to me, mate, turn the music down and put the meter on. So we go, okay, okay. So he puts the meter on. We're driving there. Doesn't take us to the front of the hotel. Takes us round the back, and I'm like going, oh, this is going to get really ugly here. And I am watching, and the guy starts spilling out of the taxi, and I'm watching, and he switches off the. And I know this is a 700. What is the? I forget what the currency is, but I know it's supposed to cost like 700. I'm talking about five bucks, all right. And I watched, I watched the meter go from 700 to 20,000, and I'm gone. And he's gone. That's 20,000. I've gone. Mate, I was watching what you did. <laughs> it went from 700 to 20,000. And he's going, well, that's the fare. And I've gone, you know I know what type of cab this is. And you know that the fare is 700. Here's 700. I'm not paying a cent more than that. So, you know, he's like gone, yeah, fair enough. And he's, you know, taken the money off me. Meanwhile, the cab in front, my compatriots are having the same argument with this guy. Have you ever seen the Serbian basketballers? You know, like huge guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Huge guy, all right? And it's Serbia, all right? So anybody over the age of 35 has probably killed somebody in, in the war, all right? <laughs> the guy in front, they're having an argument. Guy in the cab in front gets out. He's huge. He's huge. <laughs> so the Americans that are with me um, – I kind of figuring this is Serbia, this guy's probably armed. So they're all melting away <laughs> into the darkness. And it's like me and the English guy going, no, 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 we're not paying that, mate. <laughs> Try to hand over the 700, refuses to take it, pass it to him in the window. He throws it out and screams away in the taxi. Then, <laughs> then all the Americans reappear from the bushes and like going, you guys are crazy. <laughs> So thinking back, I was like, there was no way the travel safety guy was going to get ripped off by a taxi in Belgrade. But, you know, but it just there, I'm Australian. We just, we don't carry personal weapons here. It never occurred to me that this guy may be heavily armed. <laughs> right, right. You're not going to get ripped off. You you, you might get beat up or, or worse, but you're certainly Shot. not going to yeah. get ripped off, man. Um, not by a seven foot two Serbian, no way. Um, no. All right, so travel safety guy, at least, but here's the thing, you knew, right? So, so you yeah. got out of it unscathed and, you know, uh, weren't any lighter in the wallet for it either. Okay, so there you go. So now I know when I go to Belgrade, don't get in the white taxis. Get in the taxis with the company logos. Company logo on it, and it's very cheap as well. It's fantastic. Awesome. What do you have coming up in the pipeline, either World Nomads as, as a whole, as a company, or what, what do you have personally that you're working on, either personally or professionally? World Nomads, we've got this amazing array of content. We've got the written content and you know lots and lots of good video content as well. And we've just signed up with uh, a platform called Uvu, too many O's, V's and U's in that one, uh, for distributing it. So, uh, you know, if you're a, if you run your own blog perhaps and you want some great travel film content, then, you know, get in touch with us because we're now distributing it. And if, and especially if like you, Travis, if you're a partner, then it doesn't actually cost you anything to get some pretty amazing content on your site. So talk to us about that. So that's pretty exciting. 
Um, you know, because I went to a, a content marketing conference five or six years ago where, you know, I heard this thing which sticks with me, and that is the place where your content is least likely to be seen is on your own website. So distribute it, get it out, start talking about it, get other people to talk about it. So we're doing that as well. And why not? It's fantastic. You know, we've got a couple hundred films. We've been – where haven't we been? You know, we've done uh, South America. We've done Bhutan. We've just got some amazing content, so go check it out. That's one of the things I've always liked, I'll tell you personally, about World Nomads is A, the newsletters that come out, and B, that that it's not, an in, I mean, it is an insurance company, but that you're not like your stereotypical insurance company. You're creating, as you mentioned, content and videos and fun things, and you're, you're basically having fun with travel, which everyone wants to do, but then saying, hey, there's this part that might not be as fun. We can help you with that so that you don't have to worry about it. So I've, I, I'll tell you that, and you can pass along to all the people at World Nomads. I've always loved the newsletters. I like that you feature different people and that and that you have the videos and a buddy of mine even even shot videos on some trip at one point for World Nomads and all that good stuff. So I like that it's it's this idea that you're an insurance company, but you're doing much, much more than that. So um, cool stuff. Uh, mate. We, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. Thank you, mate. That's very kind of you. Yeah, look, we, we actually think of, of ourselves as a travel lifestyle brand. We just have to fund all the cool stuff we do by selling travel insurance. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Well, Phil, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today, for helping take what, what can be confusing and, and complicated and complex and seem like a pain in the butt and distilling it down into something that all of us can understand. And, and that goes for the World Nomads team as well. I, I honestly could tell you the first time I went on there and heard about World Nomads, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a slog, like trying to find travel insurance. I went on, I'm like, no way it's this easy. I just put in the countries I'm going and how long I'm going and then there's two options and and you know with bullet points and highlighting what the difference is. I I honestly was shocked at how easy it was to get World Nomads travel insurance the first time I did it. It it blew my mind. So thank you for that, man, and and for distilling That's it down. Right. And you and you and you say you've never made a claim? I have never had to make a claim. So, mate, you can stay as a customer then. That's okay. That's right. I was going to say, here we go. I was like the perfect customer at this point. That's never, it. <laughs> I've never made a claim yet. And again, I will, that's fine. I will keep that streak alive. That means I've had good travel experiences and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, remind people one more time if they're looking to, to get a hold of you or where they can go to check out the stuff that you're talking about with World Nomads. Uh, worldnomads.com. Uh, everything's right there straight up, including the insurance. And if you really want to get me down at the about us down at the bottom, you can get a link there. Uh, but there's a really simple one. Uh, um, ask Phil, uh, there's a button down there. You can ask Phil, you can get stuff to me there. I'm not hard to find, mate. Um, but down to the about us, if you want to send me an email. Awesome. Perfect. And guys, if you do, if you are looking for travel insurance and you want to give EPOP some love, as Phil mentioned, we're a partner with World Nomads. So you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash World Nomads, and that'll take you to World Nomads and you can get your insurance um, through them. And then, yeah, basically it's like Phil will be buying me a beer and who doesn't want Phil to buy me a absolutely. beer, right? Absolutely. <laughs> no, you know, I absolutely, if you're listening, don't, don't bother coming direct. Please do support um, our partners. Um, I mean, because... Uh, the more we can spread the word through, you know, great organizations like yours, mate, even the better. And we want you to uh, get a drink out of it, as we say. That's right. That's right. Maybe, but I'll make sure I don't have too many of them in Serbia. I want to got to make sure I get to the right calf. Um, <laughs> so you guys can check that out. Anything we talked about here, we're going to link up in the show notes. You can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows. Again, if you're looking for insurance, you can go to extra pack of peanuts.com slash world nomads. Phil, I just want to say thanks again for joining me from down under. I know we're opposite time zones here. So I'm like getting into the evening. You're getting your day started. So I appreciate you coming on. Mate, I have to rush. I've got to get the kids to school. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for your continued support that makes us number one rated travel podcast. And until next time, happy free travels. 